Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. MyCastingFile, the place for talent to get their start. All right. Welcome to Talking Like Normal People, a show dedicated to talking about acting, casting, and auditions, and probably a bunch of other things, too, with people who love it. I'm your host, Ryan Glorioso, casting director based in New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, doing this this podcast via Zoom from my home again. Uh, so the, the future, Justin, is, uh, is not on this episode, but we'll have him back real soon. <laughs> um, I want to I go ahead and thank all of our, our listeners and subscribers. Uh, continue to help us out by rating us and reviewing us. You can subscribe on iTunes, uh, Google Play, Podbean, Stitcher Premium, um, all those good places where you uh, find your podcasts, Spotify. Um, I have another digital postcard uh, for today. And this one's actually from an agent, um, who tends to send out postcards for her, um, for her clients who are booking stuff. So this, this one, the subject is watch Mary Rachel Quinn on outer banks. And it's from, uh, Brevard talent group, uh, congratulates Mary Quinn. And it's got a nice picture of her in front of the, the star of the show. Uh, for her role as Dr. Cynthia Thornton on Outer Banks, uh, Spy yeah. Games, streaming on Netflix. And with a grateful thanks to Lisa Mae Fincannon, Josh, and Jonas Pate. And then she also puts Mary Rachel Quinn's IMDb link on the uh, postcard. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, archive that That's for later great, use if I need it. And let's uh, get to... My favorite part of the show, the introduction of our guest this week, is a stage, screen, and television actor with uh, his roots in show business, tracing back to his first commercial and film gigs in his hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. With a career <laughs> spanning more than two decades, he's been part of pretty significant projects uh, from his humble beginnings in Francis Ford Coppola's The Rainmaker to the 2019 Best Picture Academy Award winner, Green Book. While he is oftentimes cast as the muscle, uh, this guy is truly <laughs> one of the most gentle humans you will ever oh, meet. Jesus. Please welcome David Calloway to the show. That is so nice of you to say, man. Yeah. It's nice of you to recognize, and thanks for having me, dude. This is super cool. You, super we're, cool. we're looking at each other via a computer screen. Um, yeah. Did you have the short hair last time I saw you? It looks like you cut all your hair off. I like Last it. time I saw you, I came in to read for um, uh, your your pilot, your show, Blood uh, Blood Blood Relative. Uh, blood, blood. I was gonna say Blood Savage. I don't know why. Blood Relative. That's a good title. And <laughs> yeah, right. Sounds like a John Claude Van Damme movie. Um, but uh, yeah, so I came in. I remember I had my head shaved. I just came up yeah. a film called Sun. and uh, they shaved my head to the skin, and it was uh, pretty scary, pretty intense, man. It looks good right now. I like it. Thanks. I don't know. I've been wanting to quarantine, shave my head. Um, you know, you have a you have, you good have a good you have a good shape. You have good hair. Well, um, thanks, man. <laughs> I sh I shaved it. You know, I have that crazy dent in my skull. I don't know. Did you see that? Yeah, I showed you saw it when I came in. I saw you, and Justin. Remember? Oh, maybe we should, huge, we should. We should. We should get into the dent at some point. The dent's pretty creepy, man. It's pretty weird. It's it's real simple. It's I got my head half my head bitten off by a great dane when I was two years old. Oh my god! Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it like it almost well, killed me, and it left me with a huge dent. Wow. All right. Which well, is cool character stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how far back you want to go, but if you want to go back to two years nah, old, nah, gonna, nah. let's find out about you. Um, I tell you what, I'm going to go back to five years old because I've listened to a few of your podcasts. A lot of my friends have been on, and, and a lot of people I love and respect have you. You've you've done uh, their interviews, and I think it's great. So uh, I know it starts like go back to how we started, how we got into this. Yeah, right. Okay, yep. cool. Whatever, wherever you want to start, how'd you get into acting? You know, what were the formative years and, and, uh, what made you stick with it all these years? Yeah. Right. That's the good question. Um, uh, so I guess what, what I got, what kind of got me, I guess it started in a weird way in the sense, and I, maybe there's somebody else out there who just started this for them too. But like, I remember being like five years old and pulling the, cushions off of my sofa at my parents' house, obviously. And I would stand up on the edge of the arm and I would watch the stuntman on television jumping off of things and I would imitate them. 
And I would do that all the time. I just, I loved it. I guess I kind of just wanted to be a stunt man. I, you know, I don't even know, but, um, and it was, I mean, um, you, you started off at two years old, getting your head bit <laughs> by a dog. So, I mean, that's yeah. least, you know, your aunt, you'd probably have no fear based on yeah. that. I do my own stunts for sure. So like, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how, like, I just, I knew that there was something, I just loved it. You know, I was like, this is weird. And I just kept kind of playing with that and having fun. And then around eight years old, I'm going to move through this park quick for you. So at eight years old, um, my dad was, uh, he owned a shoe repair store in Memphis. He owned a bunch of them. And um, it's called Geppetto Shoe Repair. And he did a, a bunch of local commercials. And he was like, I need a kid. And I was like, I'll do it, you know. And uh, so I did a couple of his local commercials. And I kind of really enjoyed it, like this is super cool this is fun you know and um and then that, you know that was kind of the beginning of, of all of it and then um the next thing was around 12 years old um i was in school and there was a movie that came to memphis called making the grade back in like 1984 you, you don't remember this yes movie. i you remember do? that movie <laughs> Judd, Judd Nelson had to uh, learn how to dress like a prep. Is that the one? Yeah. Oh, I love that movie right? as a kid. You are good. I'm an 80s kid, man. Yeah, yeah, you are, obviously. That's really good. So um, I didn't think anyone knew that movie. But um, <laughs> so, so my dad pulled me out of school and he, um, and I, to be an extra in this film. And I was like, sure. And so he came and got me out of school and anything to get out of school because I never really liked school. And um, so we went and um, I, I'll never forget this. I walked on the set. And I remember walking. It's the first time I've ever been on a movie set, you know. And I looked around and I remember walking up the steps because they shot at Rhodes College. And I was just like, I, I, I kid you not, I was just like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. I, at, at 12 years old, I was like, this is it, you know. And I just saw all the moving parts and the electrics and the grips and the, and the things moving and people everywhere and talking. And it was so exciting. And I was I was just, you know. I can't tell you how much that movie influenced the the way I wanted to dress when I was a kid. <laughs> what that, about the break? That's how I knew when I was gay. I watched that movie and I wanted to dress the way Judd Nelson dressed from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's too. I know it. Yeah, I hear you, man. That's awesome. That was, a, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I wonder. If, I don't know anyone that's really seen that movie. I'm so impressed that you know that. That's really I mean, cool. it, I was the right age for it. Yeah, I guess I was too, right? So All right, so you, so then you do you do the extra work, and that and you're quote unquote bitten by the bug. Yeah, yeah, and it was interesting because like on that set, I remember having lunch uh, in the lunchroom, and Judd, I was just sitting there, and Judd Nelson was there, and he was like, hey, and he literally, he's like, hey kid, you want to run line? Will you read these to me or something? And so I was sitting across, uh, like across and over. And um, I don't know where the hell my dad was at the time. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so I just kind of read words with him. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing, obviously. And um, and uh, that was another part that just was like, this is so cool. And, you know, that, that was the beginning of that. And then uh, I'll tell you something funny. I remember I was so into this at 12 years old. I remember calling Gordon Jump at the Peabody Hotel. Do you know who Gordon Jump is? No. Okay, Gordon Jump was uh, Mr. Carlson on WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Sure. So I was like a kid in Memphis, and I was like just trying to figure out how how does this all work. And so I literally just picked the phone and was like, uh, "Yes, can I speak with Gordon Jump?" And they put me on the phone with them. Was and he was living like, there or no? He was. She was in. Uh, he was in uh, making the grade. Oh, okay. <laughs> And so I called and he got on the phone and I started talking to him about acting. I was, and he was so nice to me. I don't, I would have hung up if I was him probably, but he was so nice. Wow. And I, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was just like, this is so cool. And so anyway, man, that's how I kind of got the bug. Yeah. That's cool. Okay. So, so that's a, that's a great intro to all of this. I mean, you, <laughs> you've lived, you've lived a, a lot of life since then. So where do you go yeah, from there? Sure. I mean, you're 12 years old. Did you just like pester your parents and say, you know, I want to do plays or I want to, you know, or what, how did it, how did it go from there? Like, how, how did you go I mean, on from, from there to like, you know, doing the Rainmaker and that sort of right. thing? Right. Well, from there, I guess I, I did get involved in theater in, in Memphis and, um, and, and around the town and stuff. Uh, and, you know, just to, being a kid and what have you, I, I just kind of, you know, I, I didn't really put too much into it. I didn't know being there at that time, you know, there was no, 
there's no like roadmap to it, you know? And so I was just young and what have you and messed around. But as I was there in Memphis, movies started coming to town. So we had The Firm. Sidney Pollack directed it. Then we had um, The People versus Larry Flint and then The Rainmaker. So all these movies started coming to my little town and I would get involved in every one of them that came. And so from that is kind of how it propelled me into, you know, moving on into the, into the industry. So uh, on The Firm, I, I, what did I do on that? I was an extra, you know, on The Firm. Um, and in uh, People versus Larry Flint, I was an extra as well. Sorry, somebody's calling. Um, and then... Um, I'm impressed you have a real phone. Yeah, uh, well, I'm <laughs> coming to you live from my girlfriend's parents' basement. <laughs> awesome. Are you in New Orleans right now? <laughs> I'm not, man. I was in New Orleans. Um, while this all happened, I flew up to New York to go do uh, the blacklist. And then um, the show it got shut down. And so I came back to New Orleans, got my car and drove up to be with my, my, my partner. So Damn. I'm here now. I know. Yeah. But anyway, I'll go back to what we're talking. So yeah, uh, the uh, Rainmaker was amazing. It was a huge deal. Um, I met, I met and made friends with a lot of great people. Uh, one of being, one of them was John Voigt, um, him and his son, Jamie, James, Jamie Voigt, James Haven. Uh, we became really good friends. And then um, I, I remember, I, I, I was with Jamie and John. This is kind of a cool story on the Rainmaker. And we were all hanging out. We went up to the room, up to, up to J uh, John's room. And Jamie's like, hey, Dad, I'm going to – I got to go grab something. And so I'm sitting in this hotel room with me and John Boyd. And I'm just kind of like you – know, you ever get those moments where you're like, how the F did I get here? Like, yeah. this is so strange, you know. Yes. <laughs> and so, but John was super cool, man. He was really nice. And he was like, so you want to be an actor, huh? And I was like, yeah, man, that's, you know, that's, that's what I really would like to do. And he's like, and I, I kid you not, he goes, well, he goes, let's do a scene. What? Uh, I, I'm not kidding you. And I was like, uh, what do you mean? Let's do a scene. And I didn't really know anything. And he goes, I'm going to say, I don't know where the money went. And then you just come in after me. And I was like, okay. And um, he did. He goes, all right, you ready? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm ready. And I, he goes, uh, I don't know where the money went. And I'm, I don't even know how old I was, uh, probably 19 or something. And I just laid into it, man. I went into it with him. And I was like, what do you mean you don't know where the money went? How did I get you? And I you know, started going into it. It was really, really cool. And uh, after we, we did it for like uh, maybe 10 seconds, which seemed like an hour, I was so nervous. Um, he was like, so you're going to go to L.A. and be an actor? And this is actually good advice. And I said to him, I said, you know, Mr. John, I'm not John. I think I call him John. I was like, you know, John, I don't really know, man. I'm scared to go to L.A. I don't know anyone there. I don't know anyone. I don't know anything about it. And he goes, I'll tell you this. And these are his words. Can I say it? Can I cuss on here? Sure. Okay. He goes, uh, fuck all that shit. Just keep acting and they'll find you. Hey, wow. And how old were you around this time? Um, I'm going to say around eight, 18, 19, maybe I can't remember. So you're like just finishing high school and trying to figure out what you were going to do with your life. Yeah. I might've been around 20 at that point. Possibly. I can't remember exactly. But yeah. Just keep acting and they'll find you. Let me write. Yeah. That down. That's what he said. I thought that was really cool. Funny enough. I ran into John, um, Voight the other day on the street in, uh, Brooklyn. And, uh, we, hey. uh, we actually, we talked for a little bit. It was really cool to see him. Did he remember? Did. did he remember doing that scene with you? Did you bring it up? <laughs> I, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> I was like, that's "Hey, John, how's Jamie?" You know, we talked about his son. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, he's great. He's great. Um, so, uh, I, 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 so then I, I read in your bio that you sent me that you, uh, you went to college for. Did you go to college for theater or? I did. Yeah, for theater. Communicate theater communications. At that point, it was like a double thing. So in in Memphis. In Memphis, yeah. I think we might know some uh, some folks. I, I I had a stint where I worked with a lot of uh, Memphis. What is it? Memphis University or uh, at the time it was Memphis State. Memphis State University, University of Memphis. Now, did you study with uh, under Josie Helming? I believe I did. That's yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. I believe so. You know Josie? I, I, well, she's passed away, but I yes, I knew her. I uh, I, I did summer theater. She directed a play I was in. <laughs> There was, I remember, and uh, you know, it was it, theater. The, the the program there for me was really different because um, I, you know, I don't know how to get into this, but it was it, I was coming from an interesting background. My uh, the family life was rather different, and uh, so I started to not pay too much attention to school and theater and, and and that stuff. I got to that place where I was itching to go. 
I wanted to go. I felt like I was ready. You know, I was, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I'm ready. You know, I did a scene with John Voight in a hotel room. I'm going to Hollywood. <laughs> so is, is that what happened? You, did you leave school a little early and go straight to Hollywood? Yep. <laughs> I sure did. <laughs> oh, it was, it was ridiculous, man. I don't know if it was the right move or not. But okay. Was, so you, so you, uh, so you end up going to LA and what yeah. was that like? Um, I went to LA. I think I got there in like, oh man, my, my times and dates are terrible, but like 96 or 97 maybe. All right. And we were there um, at the same time. Go ahead. Are you serious? You were there? Yeah. Yes. Nice. Um, I got there. I lived on my sister's couch cause she was there, um, for like, I don't know, two months or something. Um, and then just kind of try to figure my way out around there. Cause you know, LA's, um, giant. What part of town were you in? She was in uh, Beverly Hills adjacent. You know, nice. like on, on, well, yeah, it was, she was in a, a studio apartment in Beverly Hills adjacent. So I don't know how nice it was. The but, slum, uh, slums of Beverly Hills. Precisely. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, I did that. And then I, you know, I just, I was such a weird, crazy coming out of Memphis, rambunctious, afraid of nothing kind of person that like I went out a lot at night and I just made friends. I made a lot of friends. In fact, I made friends with the guy who's still my manager today. Um, and um, through him, Josh Kesselman, what up? Um, he, uh, he introduced Shout me to out. an agent. Shout out. He introduced me to my first agent in uh, L.A. And from her, uh, she booked me on a TV show called Sliders. You remember that show with Jerry uh, yeah. O'Connell? Yeah, I yeah. remember it, yeah. And uh, then she booked me on a little quick recurring thing on Aaron Spelling's Sunset Beach. <laughs> I remember that too. Yeah, we were there, definitely there at the same time. Isn't, isn't it crazy, man? That whole time in LA? Oh, God. And uh, yeah, so that uh, kind of from that, I started to work a little bit anyway and um, got my first real taste of what it was like to work, especially on the soap operas because it's so fast, you know, boom, boom, boom. You have to know your stuff right away. So um, got my taste of what it was like and. Uh, it was it was great. Uh, I loved it. And then I did another job on Angel. I got another gig on the show Angel with David Boreanaz, yep. who busiest just, man in show business, right? And I was going to say, here's something about David that's really cool that everybody should know and learn. Maybe is when I went on that set, I was young and didn't know much and nervous and whatever. And it was a cool part. It was a decent role. And he came up to me because it wasn't like a big part, but out of nowhere, he comes up to me and goes, "Hey, I'm David Boreanaz. Welcome to our set." That's and nice. I was just like, how nice, right? Yeah, what a great guy. Super cool. Yeah. So I never forgot it, you know. That was a long time ago. I never forgot that. So, um, and I don't know, man. <laughs> so, how, so, so how long were you in L.A.? Like, what, so obviously you split your time between a bunch of different markets. That uh, seems to work for you these days. Like, what made you venture off out of like just seeking things out in LA and uh, into different, you know, maybe tax incentive markets or like the Southeast or I don't, you know, I don't know all the markets that you do pursue work in, but well, how, how okay. did that happen for you? So I, I was in Los Angeles. I was there. I lived in Los Angeles for 18 years, 18, 18 years, man. I did my time. Um, I was there and I didn't, <laughs> you're laughing. <laughs> no, I, 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 uh, I was there for eight years. So yeah, I mean, Ugh. 18, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Right? Unless I was like, you know, had like, rolling. yeah, rolling big time living in the Hills or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. I, for me, I, what happened, why I was there for so long, well, it's a, it's a longer story and it's actually something that, good to tell people and I think if any actors young actors or just anyone in general is listening um so I was there for a long time and I kind of fell out of the business I always I kept acting but I really wasn't um going after it as hard I got into I guess uh what kind of like a bad relationship in a sense with someone who was um basically telling me that uh, I wasn't any good. Um, I, I, was, I couldn't make it as an actor. Uh, I was told I, would, I was too old to be an actor. And at that point, I was like, you know, not too old. And, uh, but it was just that kind of a relationship with someone. And I think the learning lesson in that is, this is like, I stuck in it for a little bit, or for a lot bit, I should say. But when I, 
what got me out of it was I got cast in a film. And I say movie saved my life. Um, I got cast in a film that took me to Mississippi. It was a lead role in a movie called Force Move. And it was a great, great project. And when I went down to Mississippi, keep in mind I'm from Memphis, so it was like going home for me. Um, I ran into a lot of people that I didn't know, but I met. And I remember all of them saying on the set, oh yeah, when I'm done with this project, I'm going back to New Orleans and we're doing this show and we're doing this one. Oh, I'm on this one. I was like, hmm, a little bit of a light bulb moment went off. You know, I'm like, wait a minute. That's amazing. Yeah. So I went back to Los Angeles and (laughs) I got out of that relationship, moved my crap out of that apartment. Um, Moved in, I got, took my friends apart. My friend plays keyboards for Lady Gaga and uh, he was on tour with her and I moved into his place while he was gone and he was like, dude, take my place, you know, whatever. And I was like, cool. And I took his place and I formulated my plan to get to New Orleans and I busted my ass to get out of Los Angeles. I got to New Orleans and it was almost like, wow, man, like you could actually work as an actor, not in California. This is amazing. And, um, you know, wow! I didn't know you could do that. So, so booking that film that was in Mississippi, that you, you're in this relationship that kind of beat down your confidence. Would you say that that film gave you the confidence to like reinvigorate your career and absolutely take action? You, yeah. you nailed it. That's exactly what it was. It was a complete confidence boost. And when I got there and I started doing this project, it was a great part for me. And I was just like, <laughs> I think I could do this, you know, and I, and yeah. that's, that's what did it. And I was like, fuck it. I'm out of here. And I went, I went back and just kind of picked myself up and got out of that miserable, uh, I call it abusive sort of, uh, relationship and did not listen to those words anymore. And, um, went to new Orleans and then, and, and when I got to new Orleans, I either had something to prove or I wanted it. And I still do wanted it so bad that, uh, I, I just, I was refused to let anything stop me, you know, and that's uh, great. I went hard. Yeah. I mean, this, that's a recurring theme on this podcast. We are always, I mean, granted I am based in a regional market. Um, and we always talk about, you know, if, you know, if, when I was an actor, if I had known about regional markets, like game changer, right. There's so much much work. (laughs) So like, what, what do you think, uh, some actors who are festering away, just like sitting in their apartment in LA for 20 years who still haven't, you know, really done anything, but they still have that desire. Like what's the breaking point for them? Like how can they, how, how do you think someone could get motivated to like, what, what do you do to make this happen in other markets? Like how do you get an agent? Like how did you go about it? Okay, so this is the first and part of that question. you have more than one agent in different cities? Like, what's the, what's the problem? Sure, yeah. Process? So the first part of your question is a great one, and that is, you know, what's the breaking point? Um, I think for a lot of people, they, and like myself, they don't really believe that, you mean I could go somewhere else and work and live and make a living as an actor where I actually get cast in great parts and great shows and real I didn't believe it. You know, so um, that's, I think, the breaking. Once you finally can realize that and believe it and, and, and think, okay, I can do this. I'm going to get out of here and go try this. Um, then I think that's how you get out. For me, when I got to New Orleans, um, it was just a crazy kind of whirlwind. I lived at a hotel for the first week. Um, didn't obviously know anyone in New Orleans. Um, I met these two women out and about and one of them had an extra apartment in this haunted place in the quarter off of Governor Nichols and Royal. How exciting. Directly across from the Lollary Mansion. Oh, Jesus. Right? So (laughs) (laughs) that that tells you what it was. I actually shared their Wi-Fi because a woman who ran the Lollary like allowed me to use her Wi-Fi. Was was the Wi-Fi haunted? (laughs) I don't know. Everything over there is haunted, right? <laughs> Everything is. It's crazy. So funny enough, that's why I left that place because it, um, it was too much for me. I had to go. But so I got in there. And then so what I would do every day when I came to New Orleans was I, you know, I had some credits. I've been acting for a long time. And, but I didn't know anyone in New Orleans or the area or whatever. So I would go to the coffee shop. I'd go to CC's. What up, CC's? And Shout out. <laughs> I love CC's. And I would sit there and I'd go through the agency list. I think I even emailed you, Ryan. I'm and I was sure like, you did. I'm sure. 
I was like, hi, my name's David Calloway. Um, I'm going to do a search in my email right now to see what the earliest um, email from you is. Oh, God. I'm sure it's there. You must have changed your email address because right now I only have one. Oh, DNK is what it was. Here, I'll find it. I have it. I I still have that email. I think I saw it the other day. But that's what I did. I went to CC's. I went to a coffee shop. doesn't matter which one, obviously. And just really was like, I, I I knew the formula. The formula is get representation you know, work really hard, um, make connections in the area with other actors and, uh, you know, find a class. And I, that's what I just kind of immersed myself in. And I did that. You know, I met what, a lot of great people down there. What class did you end up in down here? People always ask me about classes and, you know, I only know of a couple of people who are teaching classes here. At the time, I, what's her name? I can't remember her name. PJ Marshall got me into some class. You know, you know PJ, right? I love PJ. Of yeah. course, PJ is the best. So PJ was doing this class, and oh my god, he was so good in this class. PJ, PJ has an episode of this show. Uh, oh wait, I think I did hear PJ's a while, but it was a long time ago. He did like that's a, a ago, right? so a wacky episode. If you haven't heard it, people listen to it. It's wild. It is wacky. It is, he is wacky. wild. <laughs> he goes off, man. He goes off on tangents. Um, he can talk too, which I love that about him. Um, so he got. I was in some class. I can't remember her name. Um, she was great though, and it was it was just brief for me. I mean, it was weird because as soon as I got in the class, um, I, I got connected with an agency uh, down there, and I started working hard, man. And I think I have to say, like. The, one of the biggest things that happened for me down there, and I have to say thanks to Brent Caballero because like I went in to read for, I actually came down there for another reason too. I, I was, there was a movie that was coming there, um, the free state of Jones. And I was passionate about the story, really passionate about the story. So sure. I was like, okay, I've got to, I want to get on this film so bad. And so I went in for something else and read for Brent and I never met him before. And he, as soon as I was done with the audition, he looked at me and he goes, where are you from? (laughs) (laughs) I think you need to, I think you need to do a Cajun accent with that. (laughs) Right. And uh, so I can't do Brent's accent, although I do love it. Um, So I said, I'm from Los Angeles. I live here now, um, you know, and I'm here to, you know, I was trying to get in on the Free State of Jones movie, but I can't, I don't know how to meet Megan Lewis, not knowing that he worked with Megan. I didn't know. I didn't know shit, man. I didn't know anything. And, and he, was, he looked at me and goes, well, I think I might be able to help you with that. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, she's my casting partner. And I was like, no way. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. So that was simple like that. And, um, and so I, I kind of got in through there, and, and I started to meet casting people. through. And I say thanks to Brett for doing that for me. You know, yeah. kind of helped me out. Um, and, yeah, so I got into you, New Orleans. You, you, must have been, you must have impressed them in your audition. I guess, man. I don't know. Auditions are. You weren't here before that movie. It seems like you've been you've been around here for a little while, longer than mm, that. But maybe no, not. No. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so, so that kind of like uh, broke the ice for you in this uh, in New Orleans for sure. That, and my agent at the time, Don Landrum. Shout out, John to Don. She she helped me. Shout and- out, Don. And so, I, um, yeah, for sure. And, and that got me through the doors there. And then I'm trying to think how I met you. So I was thinking about that. Do you remember the first time we met? Um, I think I do remember. Do you? Was, it, was I nice? <laughs> you were super nice. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I think you were a little thrown by me, but you, know, you were nice. Was I? What, tell me about it. Because we had never met. I never auditioned for you. And I just finished um, The Magnificent Seven. Okay. And I, and I came in with two bottles of Dom Perignon. Oh, and you had like a crazy beard, right? Oh, I was so creepy looking. I had a beard like, and it's long hair and I was probably Uh, 40 pounds heavier. And uh, you were like, yeah, she's not here. I'll take those. (laughs) Oh, oh, that was for Liz because Liz cashed. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) And you were just like, oh, okay. But you know, you know, a good, a good uh, spin from you doing Magnificent Seven is when Ethan Hawke came back to do his movie Blaze. He like, first thing he said when, when I met with him was like, hey, here are two actors that I worked with on, uh on Magnificent Seven and I want them to be in this movie and you were one of them. Yeah, man. It was like cool. you you and Richie Montgomery and I was like, oh, awesome. That's great. What an honor, right? Yeah, in the movie. I mean, the movie was 
Fantastic. Great film. Richie yeah. was amazing. Richie killed it. He, you know, he, Richie's all improv, so he was just great in that. And working with Ethan as a director, and I told him this. I, I had the, I, I got lucky. I got to work with Ethan again on a film called Tesla recently, and um, he was playing Nikola Tesla. And uh, we were talking, like we were all hanging out and stuff. And I just started talking to everyone about how it was to work with Ethan as a director. And um, as much as it was great working with him as an actor, like as a director, he's your biggest fan behind the camera. Yeah. You know, he's, he's championing you the, the entire time, um, helping you and do whatever you want. He's jumping up and down like, ah, you know, and it's just, <laughs> it was, it's great to have someone like that back there doing it. So, you don't, you know, that was cool. But yeah, man, can you believe that? I couldn't believe it. I think I almost cried when I got that call. Oh, that's, it's so, it's, it means well, a lot I mean, to you. That's, that's it sure uh, does. Man. That's great. It means everything. You know, when oh. someone thinks you're good enough to just cast you straight up and not even have you, you know, jump through anything for it. <laughs> I, I'm so, I'm so happy that all, you know, you've put all of this work and years into it and, and good things happen for you. Okay. So took a minute outside of, you know, being in a abusive relationship and stuff like that. What are some pitfalls that you might suggest to young actors coming up to steer away from? Always know that when you are going in to meet a casting director, if you're lucky enough to get into a room, you're, you're auditioning for the office, not for the job, right? So I think, like, make sure that, you know, you – I don't know. I always try to – that's, that's a hard question, right? That's a um, great, that is a great uh, quote there. You're auditioning for the office, not the job. Right. Because even, if you do, even if you're not right for this particular role, you still want to come in and do 150%. Totally. You want – I mean, as a young actor or an actor in general, um, and you know this more than anybody, uh, when someone comes in and, and they're not right for something, which is often, um, but you're just like, wow, they're really good, or there's something weird or unique about them, and I, you, know, I, you remember them, you know? Yeah, well, it's like Brent Caballero. Uh, you made an impression on him, and he sure. immediately recommended you to Megan Lewis, who in right. turn brought you in for the movie you had penned all your uh, cards on. And, <laughs> I totally did. And I, by the way, I never you, got on the Free State of Jones. Never. You booked. did it. Oh shit! Nope. Read ah. for, like I read for it three or four times. I did great work for it. I worked hard to try to get on that movie, and it just it never came to fruition. I don't know why. But you're yeah. in. You're in like. Uh, you're in underground. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, look, it definitely worked out for a lot of other things. Absolutely, yeah. you know, underground and uh, God, man, everything. Roots was crazy. I got in that, so we did a lot. All the. It was funny because at that time when I was there, there was a lot of those period things. Going yeah, on. yeah. In that vein. Yeah, so, there are a lot of uh, slave-themed uh, projects, uh, like between like 2012 to, you know, like two years ago. Oh yeah, just, I'm not really sure what was going. It was just a very, I don't know. It was just that that time, you know. Um, but um, I'm trying to think, I actually wrote down some notes so that I didn't get too off subject because I'm not the best at interviews or or podcasts or that stuff. <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually pretty shy, so I don't know. Probably can't tell, but I am. Um, <laughs> so let me think here. You asked a question about like other pitfalls that actors could think. I mean, like for me, I always pride myself on trying to be like a very production friendly actor. And by that, I mean like, you know, I know how hard it is to get a job. You know, I mean like for every job you see me possibly get on or book or work, there's 150 to 200 that I didn't get that I wanted. You know what I mean? I live and die by them. I, I, I want every one of them because I just love it so much, you know? Um, so I find it, I try to pride myself on being a really production friendly actor in the sense that like I show up 30 minutes early uh, on set. I, I'll show up 30 minutes early to a, a fitting or to a makeup test or whatever it is, you know? Um, I make sure that when I'm working and I do get a job, I'm on set. And if you're young and you don't know this, you know that you are always where you're supposed to be. Let a PA know where you're going before you take off. I mean, these are very simple, normal, common things, but younger actors don't know these things, you know, set right. etiquette and what have you. So, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I guess once you get to working, you start to figure out and have to do. But I mean, getting from, you present a good question, like getting, what are the pitfalls? Um, wow. I never even thought, I don't know. You know, it kind of became automatic pilot. I almost forgot those things at this point, you know? I mean, did, did you ever have any experiences with, uh, you know, 
like especially being in LA for 18 years where there are yeah. so many like quote unquote managers and talent oh. agents and like any, any thing to look out on that side of things? Like for sure, man. Um, that's actually good. I, I, yeah, you know, I listened to some agents that I shouldn't have listened to. And, and, and I remember this is a, this is a horror story. I was on a film, booked the role, was on set about to shoot um the day and it was um a horror film it was a really cool movie little part and i got a call from my agent at the time who said you have a callback right now for a harley davidson commercial national and they requested you you have to get over there i'm like well i'm on set i can't leave and she said you know and she i remember i was young and she said if you don't leave i'm going to have to drop you are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Was this the same agent who booked you on the horror film? No, no, I was a commercial agent, right? And so uh -huh. I didn't, I was young, keep in mind, I was young. So you're asking me that question, like, don't do these things. And so I had already signed my contract. I'd done everything. I left. Oh, shit. I left. You left. I mean, I, it was my, I was, it was my first year in law. I didn't know let, what. Let me, was. let me guess the outcome. You lost both jobs. Oh, well, I didn't. Obviously, I lost the job. I left because <laughs> I was a moron. The other, the, uh, the other one, I went back to the callback. I did not book it. And then I subsequently dropped that agent after I realized what had happened. It took me a minute because I was so like, you're young and you're, you're nervous and you're, you don't want to piss anyone off and you don't want to lose. You right know, representation i think, and I think the thing to remember to take away from that is if you do have uh two agents like a, a separate commercial and theatrical agent you need to book out with all of them when you book a job so if there yeah. are days that you can't work you need to or audition you need to let them know hey i'm booked on this film on this date can't accept any you know audition oh no gosh I know. Uh, you, bad, you, you must have been sick about that for days. Yeah, I'm, dude, this, this was like 15, 20 years ago. And I'm still thinking about it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I guess I'm thinking about it because it, it just made me feel bad. Like as a person, like I totally did the wrong thing, you know? And I mean, well, granted, I know. didn't know any better. I still feel bad about it. So whatever. You, we, we, uh, we learn from our mistakes, right? So yeah, we do. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully we do. Well, you, I, you'll I, never do that again, right? Absolutely. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't even think. I mean, come on. No way, man. <laughs> I, I, I've, been, I've come too far, <laughs> so to say. I've cool. Been, I feel like I have so, idea. good. You have come uh, a long way. And what, what, is, uh, what is life like now, uh, business-wise? Like, what are, what are some things that you might be working on now that are oh, pre-pandemic? Pre God, pre-pandemic, man. God bless. Um, well, before the pandemic, so like right leading up, to, I mean, I was just, I was steadily working. This was shaping up to be one of the best years for me. Um, the beginning of 2020 seemed really, really cool. Um, I was work. I got a job on the first of the year in a film that shot down uh, in Mississippi. Really cool. One of the best roles I've ever gotten um, on a horror film. And I went down there. It's the one I shaved my head for. Um, it was fantastic, man. And I had a great time shooting it. And then like all of a sudden I got a call to go back on the blacklist, which is shoots up in New York. And I was like, Oh man, so I'm going from project to project again. This is great. You know? And, uh, I flew up to New York after I wrapped that horror film and I get up there and I find out that they wrote the actual episode after the character I've been playing on the show. And I was oh, like, wow. oh my God. And then I look at the script and I'm in every scene and I'm like, oh my God, I have all these crazy shootouts and these things with James Spader and this thing with um, uh, Brian Dennehy, God bless him, he passed away. And so I was like, oh my God, Brian Dennehy, you know, and he's like one of my favorites. And so I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is great. And then I got um, a request from an agency who wanted to meet with me and I was like, oh wow, and they're really big. And so I was like, this is just shaping up to be such a great year. I worked my first week of blacklist, didn't get to work with Spader, didn't get to work with Denny, uh, and then we shut down for the coronavirus. <laughs> so, Damn. Do you, think, do you think they are just done for the season or they will try and bring that episode back? So what happened was I just got a letter from Sony Business Affairs um, that they are going to use episode 719, the one I was doing, as their season finale. 
Um, I didn't finish, obviously, so I don't know what, but they sent something saying that they are going to send some sort of equipment to me where I will have to use it. They don't go into any detail. I have to wait for somebody from production to reach out and um, we'll go from there. I'm not sure what they're going to do. They don't oh, really wow. let me, me know that stuff, but I guess they're not finished yet. So how interesting, how yeah, interesting. I'm cool. curious, I'm curious to see how they, how they tie it up. Wow. I don't that's know how they're going to do that. I just, and, and wow. How, how tragic. I mean, Brian Dennehy was still working. He was. And dude, I, I saw his name on the call sheet. I was like four under his or whatever. And I was just like, Oh my God, I am on a call sheet with Brian Dennehy. And I called a few of my friends and told him, I was like, this is incredible. Cause I love that guy, you know? Heck so, yeah, man. He's great. Um, but anyway, man, so like, um, that's great. How long were you, what, what did you do in LA? Can I ask you, what did you do in LA? I, I was an actor and a caterer and a, whatever other job I could find oh, yeah. to support oh, yeah. myself. Same here, man. I used to yeah. sell mattresses out of a storage unit in LA. I used to sell ice cream on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I've told that story on this podcast before. I, li- uh, I lived in Venice and one day I tell was, it again. Let's one, this. one day I was, uh, I was on the beach with my, my roommate and I saw this dude walking around with a, a ice chest, you know, like just like this muscle guy all tan. And he was just walking from like blanket to blanket. People were like buying ice cream sandwiches for like two bucks a pop cash. And I was like, you know, I'm a hustler. I was like, I looked at my friend John and I was like, dude, I am getting all the shit and I am doing that tomorrow. So I literally, I like, Went to Smart and Final and bought like <laughs> Smart and Final. I totally forgot. Dry ice and like <laughs> the ice cream and all this stuff. And I did it for like a, like two summers. I would walk on the beach on the sand with a cooler over my chest, and I would make like three hundred to five hundred dollars a day. Two summers you did that? Yes. Wow. Yeah. It Dude, was, that's hustle. That's hustle. It was hustle. That's right. But then I got scared because you can't get a permit to do it because mm-hmm. it's quote unquote illegal. Right. And so I uh I got stopped by like the lifeguard police. No you know? they and watch. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like eventually I was like, all right, I'm good. I I saved enough money. I find something else to do for now. Yeah. 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 That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I sold mattresses out of a storage unit in Westwood. I would place tiny ads, three tiny ads in magazines and newspapers. And uh, people would come over and I would sell them a mattress and then I would tie it on top of my car and drive it over to their house and put it in their place. And that's uh, crazy. I, you know, I can't remember who it was. Uh, Some, some female stand up comedian was on Mark Maron's podcast talking about this exact same hustle uh, of the mattress hustle of like how, how lucrative (laughs) it is and how they, they would drive like a box truck of mattresses to from LA to San Francisco and deliver all these mattresses and make like, you know, five, six grand or whatever. Yeah. in a weekend. And yeah, I was like, wow. So I grew that, I grew that into a different kind. Well, if we're talking about this, I've made that into a, I started selling pool tables in people's homes. And like at the time, this is pre-recession, like the, the pool tables, there's a huge price markup in them. And so I was basically selling pool tables. I didn't have to touch anything. I just answered the phone and made all these calls and it was really easy. And I built, I made like a small fortune and then I bought some property in Los Angeles from that. And it just like kind of really from that little bit, but then the recession came and everything went. Oh man. <laughs> All right. So back to, back to acting stuff. Yeah. Um, let's talk about it. Um, so we just covered, are there any other interests that you have outside of acting? I, I already know what your side hustle was. Yeah. Right. I'm not, I'm not, I would still sell mattresses if there was any profit in them. Um, let's see. <laughs> you have to put them in a box now. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So it's the, yeah, they took it all out of it. I mean, I, you know, as far as like, I don't really, I mean, I, I work on working all the time. I've really started getting into working on voiceover stuff or, or you know, just learning more of that business, so to speak. I have some friends who are in it. Well, the the episode I recorded last night, which will be the one before yours, is all about voiceovers. So you really? should listen to that, yes. I will listen to it for sure. It, it will have already uh, come out by the time this comes out. So if you're okay. hearing this. 
yeah. it's the previous episode. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, so I figured, you know, while I'm on this downtime and, uh, you know, we're all kind of just like, um, what can we do? I thought, well, maybe let me better myself a little bit. And other than just working out and trying to look fit and all that all the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm interested like in right you, now. Like you, I know. Like <laughs> <you>. <laughs> Uh, I mean, look, you know, it's, it's working for you. I mean, I lost, you know, for that film, Son, I lost 30 pounds. Wow. Did I tell you wow. I lost 30 pounds? Did you, you know? did you keto? No, I just, I just, uh, I did some weird, uh, hardcore stuff. I, I literally stopped eating every, no pasta, no rice, no bread, no potatoes. Uh, That's only keto, eggs. man. That's keto. Uh, all I ate was salad and turkey. And I ate that wow. constantly. That's all I ate. And I wouldn't eat after 7 p.m. I mean, I was hardcore because in that film, I have to. I'm undressed. I'm, I'm naked. Like so. complete. Okay, well, let's get into that. So <laughs> right. have you yeah, ever man. had to be naked on film before? No. Well, well, that's not true. My first job, my very first job in Los Angeles, it's on IMDb. It is called Confessions of a Cult. Why am I talking about this? It is, <laughs> is it porn? Yeah. <laughs> It is. Uh, you did not say no. <laughs> it's called Confessions. Screw it. It's on there. Uh, it's called Confessions of a Call Girl. And uh, my buddy Jason <laughs> White, who uh, was casting in it, was like, hey, man, I get you a job. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And this is my very first job. So I went and then I did this monologue for this, like, I don't know who the hell it was. He was like, yeah, you're great. Good. Let's go. And so uh, I did this. <laughs> this scene with this girl and she was so mean to me so mean to me and um and it aired on cinemax and oh, <laughs> you did a cinemax movie yes it aired on cinemax right <laughs> and it gets whatever and so i would be in my apartment and i would i would get calls from my agents at the time um my one of them anyway two of them and he was like they didn't know I did it because I did it before I got hooked up with them, you know, as an agency. And, and, and he was, it was like a year before I came out and he was like, why am I, it was one in the morning. He would literally call me and go, why am I seeing you on Cinemax right now? What the hell, what the hell did you do? And I was like, Oh man, that was so long ago. You know. And, uh, but it turns out that girl who was so not nice at the time to me turned out her name was Leslie Harder, and then she married Robert Zemeckis. Oh wow! Yeah, so I'll probably never get to work with Robert Zemeckis, but I do love his work. So please forgive me. <laughs> and I'm sure Leslie's been changed and very nice by now. So, but yeah, so it was uh, pretty crazy, man. It was just a whole weird thing, you know. Well, you know, we do what we got to do. Yeah, LA was full of whole weird things. Should we talk about the time I made out with Faye Dunaway? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. We should. Did we she said. make you call her mommy dearest? Yeah, I wish that would have been hot. Um, no, I was at uh, the premiere for the Wild Wild West movie with Will Smith, and Will Smith was on stage rapping, and he was fantastic. And these are LA moments that you and I are talking about now. And um, he's like, "All right, all you fellas, uh, look to the woman to your left." You know, he's doing his thing, rapping and going through. He's like, "I want you to grab that woman. I want you to grab her and kiss her right now." And I looked over, and, it, and there was a lot of people who were in the audience. And I looked over. A lot of people were kind of doing it, I guess. And I looked over to my left, and it was Faye Dunaway. <laughs> and I looked at her, and she looked at me, and we were right in front of him, like right in front of him. And we just started making out. <laughs> That's she awesome. was probably in her 50s and I was 20 something and I was like what the, you know and like tongue and all and I was just like holy shit I just made out with Faye Dunaway how weird that, and uh yeah that is awesome <laughs> pretty wild wow okay and then I walked away I was like I, I gotta go <laughs> <laughs> wow this is Crazy not moments gonna, man this is not gonna be a good transition but oh, just so so we can taper it back and and close this, this is the thing fun out. stuff man this is the fun what, stuff <laughs> what are what are some things you do as an actor you know based on our namesake of this show talking like a normal person how do you keep it grounded and talk just talk like a normal person uh when you're in your acting world in the zone in the um zone. I connect to the material as much as I can when I'm, when I, when I find stuff, I really try and connect to it. And, and as actors, and, and you know, this, you're an actor and, and you see more of us than any of us could imagine. 
sometimes things resonate with you and sometimes they don't. And um, you have to really push and try hard when it doesn't. Um, and, you know, it, the, 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 the blessings are the ones that do and then you connect to the material and it's just very natural and you're able to talk like an old person. And then the things that don't, you have to work and fight on. And a lot of times you That's might where not your, find it. where your technique comes in, your training. Sure. Yeah. From to, yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, substitutions and just even just go back to basics, you know, I mean, it's just very, um, to that, to that level. But, um, yeah, the, the whole acting thing. I mean, I wanted to talk to you about auditions and stuff, but, you know, cause, cause that's, that, that seems to be, uh, you know, where things are. I mean, like right now with the whole like well, coronavirus stuff. Yeah, let's let's. This is your turn. Ask me whatever you want. I get to ask you. Cool. Okay. Cool. That's my turn. I like that. So you know, like a lot of auditions are going to wind up being, I'm assuming, more tape stuff. And and, and in New Orleans, we like live. I mean, I love live, especially yeah. you and Justin. You guys are like the warmest office to come into, and you know that. So <laughs> um, it is. But so I guess a lot of stuff will start being taped, and I just want. I was like wondering, like you know from your perspective, what, what takes you out of a taped audition? Like, I know you see a lot of them, but what, what grabs your attention? I know you've asked, been asked this question a million times, but I want to know because I don't know yeah, that's the answer. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, it could be any number of things. You could just, you know, completely miss the mark uh, on what the scene is from mm -hmm. the get-go. Um, Sometimes it's just technical things with your video that are annoying. Um, you don't follow, <laughs> not following. Depends the mood that I might be in. You know, I heard like, one of your podcasts where you raged on something. It was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, just follow the follow those instructions. That's pretty easy to achieve. And then I think you know, the thing that I'm looking for is like you were just saying, the connection with the character. And in the audition, I want I want you to create the environments that we're in on mm -hmm. some level. Like I want to know that you, I want to see that you are in this environment, and it's sure. not it's not just like a two dimensional thing. Sure. Um, a, a nice moment before uh, the scene to give it some life and some energy. I think moments before really is nice. almost everything, man. That's yeah. that's such an important part of it. It's so, it's so important. Like, otherwise you're just like the stagnant talking head, you know? Yeah. You just start. Um, and you and even, you know, a little creative license with your auditions can sometimes work. I'm not saying like be the filmmaker and cut together the scene, but I don't know, like maybe it involves like a prop or something that would be useful to the scene. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think you should be afraid of trying things, sure. you know, do stick to the words of what the writer has written, you know? Um, How do you feel about buttons at the end? Have you ever, I, do you ever I, get... I'm fine with that. I don't yeah. mind that. Yeah. I can always cut a button out if sure. I need to. True. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're the some, editor. You have control. Some people think they are, you know, amazingly funny and they're not, you know, but, but when it's right, <laughs> it's, it's right you know? God. yeah i guess you're right i mean um how do you how do you and you and justin i, I know justin's not here but he's here in spirit how do you guys feel about when actors pass in an audition i'll say like for example i mean i know how i feel because i've i've screwed the pooch on this before and i'll, I'll never do it again you know um i had passed on something and it went on to be a six six episode recurring and it was okay. initially it was, it was security guard number one in terms exactly of you know, so. Well, that that's so. I started this new little Instagram series uh, just yesterday, actually, and yeah. uh, that was the first the first question that I answered. It's basically actors are able to submit their questions through my website, and then I, I'm going to make a little video like once a week or however often, and that's the first question. Um, like, let me let me find the question and I'll sure. read it to you because I'm actually, actually going to Instagram right now and following you on Instagram. I didn't know. I, I think I'm not at this point, but I will be in two seconds. Let's see here. So I, that was my exact answer to the question is that things always, you know, you never know what something's going to become. So this was the, this was the question. I know every once in a while you will see new actors for smaller roles. Uh, but I'm curious if you ever are casting a recurring character or a bigger role, 
do you still give brand new people a chance at those? Uh, or do you tend to only see actors with experience uh, for the bigger roles? So I answered that, but then I gave a flip side of, you know, a lot of times under fives will go on to become recurring unless it's something really specific to that one episode. Yeah. Um, and it, it happens all the time. And, you know, I posted this video and, and there was a, a great example uh, in the comments. There's this, this actor, Nathaniel Woolsey, um, from Houston that I've been seeing since he's like six years old, you know, he's wow. come, to, come to workshops and he's, he's probably like 23 now, 22. Um, and when we were doing preacher, he, um, he auditioned like six or seven times for, you know, co-star roles. Mm -hmm. And we finally got to, we finally got to the one that was him Yeah, and he booked it and it turned into six episodes. Oh man. You what know? a dream, huh? What a dream. So, you know, and he was coming into that first episode with, you know, we're doing, we're giving you one episode. That's all we know of. Sure. And it's like two lines and it turned into like a storyline for his, wow. like his whole thing was a storyline. Mm -hmm. So you never know. So, you don't, man. You don't. Well, I'll never do it again. I did it that one time. In fact, the, uh, the blacklist was initially, it was a, uh, this uh, small, no, I say small, it was a role that had uh, three lines, maybe four scenes, but it was you know, decent, but not, you know, I would have. The, the problem, the difference is, is that you care, like you just want to work and you want, like, I, you don't seem like you're in it for, for the money. And the, the, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I mean, the thing of it is, is like most people who are passing up co-star opportunities is because they want, guest star they want that money they want oh, they want a bigger part they want you know they want that guarantee which is totally fine that that's where you're at in your career but yeah you know I mean, especially okay in our market i was gonna say what happens okay you you book you book one guest star here mm -hmm. but then there aren't a lot of guest star opportunities after that are you going to just not work here are you what gonna, are you gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah. are you are you saying that I can only do guest star now because I've I've you know booked this one or the, these two opportunities? You're not interested in doing any more co star? Like, that's something that I grapple with with actors. Like, I you know I wonder those things. Like, uh, like have we have we uh, given them a taste of this this thing that's going to be hard for them to attain again in this market? You know. Right. And then that takes out, that takes uh, a lot of actors out of the market that, that you need as a casting director and that production needs as a uh, production I mean, to keep look, bringing projects to the area, you know? Uh, look, I, I, I want to need everyone, but if, sure. if you are at a point where you're unattainable for me, I don't need you. I yeah. will find new people. Sure. That's my job. You know what I mean? Like I, that sounds harsh to say, but true. I mean, no, I don't want to lose like seasoned vets from around here, but you know, it, it, the market is what it is. Yeah. You is. know, and, look, and, I mean, and they're paying very nice wages. Like who else makes a thousand dollars a day? Thousand plus. Yeah. Thank you. You know, plus, plus not only, not only it's over a thousand, but it's also, you get, residuals which residuals aren't what they used to be when we started back in the you know whatever but they're still residuals and you still make decent money and you know i mean living and working in new orleans i've never I, i've lived in a lot of places i've been a lot of places i have never in my life and i've said this to so many of my friends i've never been anywhere where i enjoyed living and working more than in the louisiana and new orleans specifically for me it's just for me it was the best so awesome. um that's why i stick around but you know uh, one more question. One more question. Uh, uh, otherwise, uh, this is going to be a two-part episode. <laughs> I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go as long as Billy Sloan. Um, <laughs> that guy. Um, what characters do you and Justin find that you are most often looking for, and what roles are the most difficult to cast? Oh, geez. I should have uh, saved that one for. I think uh, the easy. The easy. Uh, answer for the most difficult for me is is um 
we don't have a huge pool of, of diversity here. So like if it's, if we're looking for like, uh, you know, Japanese, uh, like if something's set in another country, sure. it's hard for us to, to cast that. And we're oftentimes, gotcha. you know, asked ask to try, you know, it's mm. like, <laughs> like Louisiana. Uh, yeah, I mean, like we, we don't, we don't really have a community of Japanese actors. So what am I right. do? Right. Um, I that, that's, sense. that's really the hardest. Um, the, and what was the first part of the question? What am I, what's the easy, I mean, what, what are the most, well, what were uh, the most difficult roles for the cast? That was all you answered it. I think you yeah. did. What characters do you find the most, you're most often looking for, but you know, that's kind of, a, uh, most often looking for just like, uh, you know, there's a lot of like first responders and, you know, yeah, a lot, a I lot of you. cops and, that kind of stuff, you know. We, we're we're often looking for the the characters that uh, are forwarding the plot, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Pushing the story along. Yeah, which is yeah cool too. A lot of doctors, hey a lot of a lot of hotel managers. You can make a good living doing that, dude. A lot of news you know reporters. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yep. Um, well, look, dude. This has been this has been an amazing conversation. I think a lot of people are going to get so much out of it. Um, so thank you for doing this. Um, I, I do want to give a shout out. We were talking about, um, the future of like self tapes and like doing casting online and we will, I'm sure be doing a lot of that. Um, one of the sites that we've been using, uh, we audition.com, we can do like live casting with each other. It's like a, being at a regular casting session, but online. So if any of you guys do create one of those accounts, um, the, the show here has a promo code, uh, to get 25% off. It's T L N P 25. Um, and that's for we audition.com. All right. All right. Thank you to, uh, Jason Edwards for producing this, uh, for us, uh, follow us on, uh, love you, Jason is Rye glow (laughs) at talk like normal at glorioso casting at Jason Edwards TV at full grown mouse, Justin TC underscore underscore at David Calloway. All right. Dude, thank you so much, Ryan, man. Thanks for, for like just being so nice and allowing me to talk to you. And, and you know, this is an honor, you know? All right, dude. So I really appreciate it, but thank you. Stay safe. Talking Like Normal People is brought to you by MyCastingFile.com. Create a searchable profile accessible by multiple casting directors who are casting major film, television, and commercial projects. MyCastingFile.com.